like they they advertise one match by crashing a car into one of the wrestlers. Not a total victory of Russia, which now we're seeing. This he goes on. Gigantic bag of flaccid dicks. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Which, when you open them up, you find out that they're all cockroaches inside. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. No, I don't know if anybody else is ever going to laugh this hard at anything we Probably. say. Uh, we can actually both look out my window right now and see some very pretty yellow flowers that I'm going to be eradicating. This is a geek history of time. Where we connect nerdery to the real world. Uh, in our last episode, we started talking about uh, the X-Men and mm-hmm. their relationship to the civil rights movement. Uh, and I, I mentioned, uh, the, the term I used was the Golden Twelve mm-hmm. uh, in, in talking about uh, uh, integration and uh, members of a minority trying to work to, you know, integrate into the, the greater society or the larger society, dominant society. Um, and uh, it turns out I, I had the number wrong. It's the golden 13 is the term that was used. And I want to I open by talking about them uh, before we get into talking. As you mentioned, we were going to talk about Stan's soapbox. Yes. And I'm really excited about that, but I want to make sure to, to give to give proper proper mention to who this, this group of men was. Um, in, in June of 41, Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed an executive order number 8802 that prohibited racial discrimination by any government agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in January of 44... Uh, responding to pressure from Eleanor Roosevelt and uh, Adlai Stevenson, who was Assistant Secretary of the Navy at the time, uh, they began an accelerated two-month officer training course for 16 African-American enlisted men. Uh, and uh, the, the class average at graduation was 3.89 grade, grade point. Okay. Uh, all 16 members of the class passed the course, but only 12 of them were commissioned in March 1944. Uh, John Walter Reagan, Jesse Walter Arbor, Samuel Davis Jones, Darian Damon Ivey III, Graham Edward Martin, Philip George Barnes, Reginald Goodwin, James Edward Hare, Samuel Edward Barnes, George Clinton Cooper, William Sylvester White, and Dennis Denmark Nelson were commissioned as ensigns. Charles Byrd Lear was appointed as a warrant officer which I could get into the technicalities of what a commissioned officer versus a warrant officer is, but it would take up too much time. Um, so they were the the first uh, commissioned, and in this case, and, and in the one case, warrant officers uh, in the United States Navy uh, to to serve uh, 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 in 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 combat in in the U.S. Navy. Now. Navy policy at the time prevented them from being assigned to combatant ships, uh, so they wound up being detailed to run labor teams on shore. Uh, but after the war, uh, Truman officially desegregated the U.S. military in 1948, uh, and at the time of the Golden Thirteens commissioning, there were approximately 100,000 African-American men serving in the United States Navy's enlisted ranks. Um and so they they were the pioneers for that particular uh, avenue mm-hmm. of of uh, working toward equality and and uh, uh, getting out of uh, a segregated uh, U.S. military. 
Um, and unfortunately, at the time it happened, they were only allowed to go halfway. Right. Uh, prior, it should be noted that prior to all of this, um, African Americans were only allowed to serve as messmen. That's it. Aboard U.S. Navy ships. Uh, prior to uh, the the decisions that were made during the war to try to see, there, were, there was a program during the war to try to see uh, whether whether African Americans were capable of handling duties. Uh, the paternalism is just disgusting. Well, and I'd like you to know, point out the the financial aspect of this too. I mean, banning a person from being on a combat ship means that you don't get battlefield commission, essentially, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. So your uh, ability to advance is severely curtailed. Yeah. Um, and as a result, your ability to feed your family yeah. is is hampered uh, purely because you have a, a different skin color. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. But I, I wanted to make sure to correct my error. Yeah. Because it's the golden 13. Rather than Golden Twelve, and I wanted to give, I wanted to name who these who these guys yeah. were who had completed the course and, and opened that particular set of doors. Well, thank you. So, um, who are you? Sorry, <laughs> I jumped into that uh, before uh, before introducing myself. Um, my name is Ed Blaylock. I am a uh, US, um, world history teacher, not U.S. history. I don't teach eighth grade. I'm a world history teacher at the seventh grade level here in California. Uh, how about you? I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin teacher as well as a world history teacher at the high school level mm. uh, here in uh, California. <coughs> um, and last week we started talking about uh, the X-Men. Yes. Um, and talking about uh, how it tied into, allegorically, into the civil rights movement. Yes. Because that was very much on Stan Lee's mind um, yeah. as he was writing it. Uh, we ended, or uh, just before I got to the end of the comic book, really, um, where Stan Lee would have people write letters in, but then he, he created for himself a column space, and he called it Stan's Soapbox. And it was kind of his bully pulpit. Yeah. Um, and uh, one person actually calls it uh, his fireside chats. Oh, I like that. In the back of his comics. Yeah, me too. It's it's charming. Uh, sometimes he'd respond to specific letters. Uh, sometimes he'd muse on his comic creations. Uh, sometimes he'd grab society by its clean-shaven neck and force them to confront ugly shit about themselves. Wow. Uh, 250 words or less. You know? Oh, wow. All right. Uh, in one, he simply featured a picture of Luke Cage. Okay. And introduced Marvel's first African-American superhero who had his own issue. Now, really? I say that on on purpose because Black Panther was African, not African American. American, yeah, yes. good point. So, so, just, so yeah. Black Panther carried all of the exotic foreigner tropes, right? That and also yeah. a successful black man. I mean, yeah. let's not argue. Like, yeah. let's not forget that. Like he was on par with other world leaders. Oh yeah. Well, um, he was ruler of a nation. Exactly. Yeah. So there is that. There's also a bit of separatism going on there. Black Panther, mm. ruler of a nation, etc. Yeah. But uh, Luke Cage was specifically a black American superhero. Um, okay. And he yeah. was working class, too. You know. Oh, very much. Um, Heroes and, for hire. Yeah. Not for nothing. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's wildly awful by today's standards at the time. And I, I always remind people, <laughs> it was something. Yeah, well... It was yeah. not perfect by any no. stretch, but it was something. Yeah. 
So in December 1968, uh, I can't figure out which comic this was on the back of. I just I, I did some searches online. Um, he said, quote, let's lay it right on the line. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costume supervillains, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. I love how he's saying this in 1968, but he's still using early 60s, late 50s mm -hmm. terminology. Yeah, just either God, he's out God of touch or God he's charming. Yeah. Yeah. The only way to destroy them is to Poor expose them. Dose. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, sorry. The only way to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them for the insidious evils that they really are. The bigot is an unreasoning hater, one who hates blindly, fanatically, indiscriminately. If his hang-up is black men, he hates all black men. If a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. If some foreigner beat him to a job, he's down on all foreigners. And by the way, the word all is capitalized in his, com in his uh, column. Oh, wow. He hates people he's never seen, people he's never known, with equal intensity, with equal venom. Now, we're not trying to say it's unreasonable for one human being to bug another. But, although anyone has the right to dislike another individual, it's totally irrational, patently insane, to condemn an entire race, to despise an entire nation, to vilify an entire region, religion. Sooner or later, we must learn to judge each other on his own merits. Sooner or later, if, a man, if man is ever to be worthy of his destiny, we must fill our hearts with tolerance. For then and only then will we be truly worthy of the concept that man was created in the image of God, a God who calls us all his children. Now, normally he ends with excelsior. Here he ends with pax et justitia. justitia. Oh, wow. Peace and justice. Uh-huh. So that is 1968, December. Um, you might remember that by December of 1968, King and Kennedy are both Had dead. Both been shot, yeah. Here he is in May of 69. For many years we've been trying in our own bumbling way to illustrate that love is far greater force, a far greater power than hate. Now we don't mean you're expected to go around like a pirouetting Pollyanna. I love the literature. yeah. yeah. Tossing posies at everyone who passes by. Again, pirouetting Pollyanna posies passes by. But we do want to make a point. Let's consider these three men. Buddha, Christ, and Moses. Men of peace, whose thoughts and deeds have influenced countless millions throughout the ages, and whose presence still is felt in every corner of the earth. Buddha, Christ, and Moses. Men of goodwill, men of tolerance, and especially men of love. Now consider the practitioners of hate who have sullied the pages of history. Who still venerates their words? Well, if he'd waited till now. Yeah, unfortunately. Where is homage still paid to their memory? What banners still are raised to their cause? The power of love and the power of hate. Which is most truly enduring? When you tend to despair, let the answer sustain you. Excelsior. Now, I find it interesting that in 1969, May of 69, he's mentioning Buddha. Christ and Moses, mm -hmm. considering what's going on in Israel at the time. Okay, yes. There's a six-day war. There's, yeah. there's a lot of conflict there. Um, Christ, I mean, he's speaking to Americans. Yeah. Also, Moses, he's in New York, and 50% yeah. of the Jews who came to America settled in New York. Yeah. But also Buddha, and we're at war in Vietnam. Yes. And as a matter of fact, we were propping up 
trying to remember what year it was that it ended. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the beginning of our our presence there, we were propping up a government run by a Catholic. Oh, minority. no, Jim Yeah, yeah, he died yeah, while dim. Kennedy was still president. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we were propping at the beginning. We were propping up the dim regime. Yes, uh, which was Catholic. Uh, which it, it was, it, it had been wildly elite. Essentially, essentially instituted by the French before the French left, uh, and uh, they were actively oppressing the Buddhist majority mm-hmm. in the country, which is the reason that uh, Robin Williams made a joke about guys in little orange robes bursting Burning into it. flames yeah, was because. because those were self-immolation protests against the dim regime yeah. that at that time we had been propping the up. The famous so, picture and video of Tik Quang Dok being the one uh, who did it, yeah. he held his pose while burning to death. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredibly moving. Um, and, yeah, that was in Heroin. protest. That was that was not in protest to the war. That was in protest to the regime that we were To the we regime that we were busy backing. Yes. 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 So, um, now... Up to 1969, here's what's in the zeitgeist. This is the hate that he's talking about. August 1964, James Cheney, Andrew Goodman, and Michael Schwerner are killed by the KKK in Mississippi with local police as accomplices. They literally handed these three men over to the KKK. Yes. February 1965, Malcolm X is assassinated by Thomas Hagen, also known as uh, Mujahideen Abdul Halim, Thomas Johnson, also known as Khalil Islam, and Norman Butler, Muhammad Abd al-Aziz, uh, of the Nation of Islam, for criticizing their leader, Elijah Muhammad. Mm-hmm. March 1965, Bloody Sunday. This is where the police, acting as sentinels on a bridge, beat lawful civil rights marchers for crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Yes. August 1965. A lot of shit's going down from August of 64 to 65. Watts goes up in flames during what some called yeah. the riots, others called the rebellion. Uh, catalyzed by the arrest of an African-American man suspected of junk driving. The community was rebelling against the de facto Jim Crow, po- Jim Crow poverty that L.A. had kept them in. Mm-hmm. June 1967, the loving decision gets rendered, and racial discrimination in marriage is considered unconstitutional now. Yes. April 1968, Martin Luther King is assassinated by James Earl Ray. Most major cities went up in flames. Yes. With the exception of... Baltimore because James Brown put on a concert. Yeah, and the uh, leaders of Baltimore asked him specifically, uh, "Can you can you do it for free on TV to keep yeah. people home?" Yeah, and I want to say Indianapolis because that's where RFK was, and I might have just flip flopped the two cities. I don't remember. No, um, I think you got it right. Yeah. I think it was. I think I think the James yeah. Brown concert was Baltimore, if I'm remembering correctly. So Stan Lee is sitting here watching all of this. Oh yeah. And talking about love being more powerful than hate. Here he goes on March 10th in the back issue, or in the very back of an Avengers issue, 1970. From time to time, we receive letters from readers who wonder why there's so much moralizing in our mags. Oh, hey. Wait. They take great pains to point out that comics are supposed to be escapist reading and nothing more. But somehow, I can't see it that way. Stanley, the guy who created them. <laughs> yeah. It seems to me that a story without a message, however subliminal, is like a man without a soul. In fact, even the most escapist literature of all, old-timey fairy tales and heroic legends, contain moral and philosophical points of view. 
At every college campus where I may speak, there is as much discussion of war and peace, civil rights, and the so-called youth rebellion as there is of our Marvel mags per se. None of us lives in a vacuum. None of us is untouched by the everyday events about us, events which shape our stories just as they shape our lives. Sure, our tales can be called escapist, but just because something's for fun doesn't mean we have to blanket our brains while we read it. Excelsior! God bless that man. Mm-hmm. This one I, I can only presume is the late 1970s. I cannot figure out the date and the issue, but I found okay. it. Okay, all right. From where I sit, bigotry is one of the most one of the many stains upon the human escutcheon which must be eradicated before we can truthfully call ourselves civilized. It comes in many forms and shapes and it's but it's most easily recognized in the form of cruel and mindless generalizations, such as when you hear some yo-yo say, "All Germans are like that" or "All women are so and so" or all blacks or Catholics or Jews or redheads or whatever are like this. Okay, that's twice that he's mentioned redheads. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, and, 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 and he's I, absolutely I, both sizing it in some ways. Like, he yeah. buries the lead. Like, what's making all the headlines is how America's treating black America. Yeah. And he He's like... It's, it's kind of like when people say, oh, I don't care what color you are, if you're black, red, purple. It's like, wait, wait, wait. wait no, 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 why are you going into fantasy colors? Yeah. Like, yeah. why like, stick with like, the ones that we've identified? Let's stick with the ones that are, like, you know? the thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, so he's kind of doing that. But he's also... Well, you know, I wonder how much of that, you know, because, you know, it, it came up last time talking mm-hmm. about this is mass media. Yeah, And, and you want you want to try to appeal to a mass audience. Very good point. And by, and by pulling the punch a little bit... Maybe giving you know the spoonful of sugar yeah. to help the medicine go down a little bit. That's probably true, and also you know, and it's I mean, ridiculous I'm, to pick on redheads. Therefore, yeah. it's also ridiculous to pick yeah, on these others. Yeah. Okay. Well, they may not be aware of it, but the turkeys that talk that way—and it's always done in a disparaging, put-down manner, of course—are bigots, plain and simple. Anyone with an IQ slightly above a cretin's has to know that all of any type of humans are never always the same. There are good people and bad people in all categories in between, and you'll find them amongst all races, all religions, all sizes, shapes, and sexes. You want to dislike someone? By the way, that last part, and sexes, kind of opens the door to being like more than just binary. Yeah, it um, kind of, I noted that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to dislike someone? Be my guest. It's a free country. But do it because he or she has personally given you a reason to feel that way, not because of skin color or religion or foreign ancestry or the shape of their toenails or any other moronic mixed-up mindless motive. Again, moronic mixed-up mindless motive. Yeah. 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 Alliteration was was one of his one of his favorite yeah. tools. Boy, that's how he kit, memorized clearly. names. Well, yeah. And made almost every superhero sound like a porn star. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Because if you justify your hatred by smearing everyone in any given group with the same brush, then you're a bigot, Charlie. Okay. Interesting that he chooses the name Charlie. Right. So. All right. During the publication of the X-Men, we have him contemporaneously making statements about bigotry and racism, etc. I specifically kept it within the time where where they were published, right? Yeah. This isn't rose-colored remembrances of his accidental wokeness, either. These were happening at the time, on purpose. Yeah. He was writing this. And the X-Men become one of the many comics in which he takes on such things. But it was really the first one to do it and so interwoven into the very identity of the heroes. Young college-age heroes in the 1960s. Um, 
I remember, and I, I couldn't find it again, but I remember specifically the X-Men ended up in the South and like Clem and Cletus and their whole KKK band of, oh, yeah. of truck driving, flannel wearing, hat wearing, tried to hang Bobby. Like, really? Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. It, yeah. it, it's interesting that Bobby is the one that most directly winds up consistently having those kind of issues. Because you remember. He's the youngest, too. Yes. Yeah. And of of the original team, he's the youngest, and um, he's also the one. And I'm going to get into this when we talk about uh, uh, the the um, allegory as mm-hmm. as uh, it relates to LGBTQ issues. Is he's also the one who winds up having his parents clearly disown him. That's true. When when his mutant powers are revealed, both in the comics and in the X Men film, a very good X, point. X two, yeah. Um, and so and and then he's the one that gets you know picked up by Clem and Cletus and, mm-hmm. and their and their clan buddies, yeah. Uh, for for a lynching, it's it. I just I find it interesting. That is a that, good point. Yeah. That, that poor Bobby Drake is the one that keeps getting. It's like you know you couldn't you couldn't you know hit hit Cyclops with that hammer, you right? Know, like well, angel, need, need angel walking around with a pair of wings coming out of his back. He's clearly not. Yeah, not a mainline. Yeah, he's not from genetic human. Like, yeah, you know, but no, no, it's got to be Bobby Drake. That is interesting. Maybe it's because Bobby is the most able to pass for white. I'm gonna say, okay, uh, because uh, Cyclops Until, always has the eyepiece. Yeah, Jean Grey's the woman, so no, you can't do that. The True. Beast is horrifically huge hands and feet, so he just looks off. Yeah. Um, and Angel has the wings, whereas yeah. Bobby Drake doesn't always look like the snowman. That's true. So Until he activates his powers right. in the past. Much like Johnny Storm. Also, he's the only one who's like, the. yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's, I remember there's a X-Men Days of Future Present, which was not a good series. No. Um, Ahab came in. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Um, but there's a scene where he and, uh, Human Torch, uh, do kind of a high five handshake and it's like, Hey, yeah. fire and ice back at it again. And you just see sizzling coming between them. Uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Neat but, effect, but yeah. in, in the midst of a truly Awful. not good yeah. series. Yeah. But so, uh, December, 1963. Okay. Which means it was published in November 1963, which yeah. means I don't know how far back it was planned out. Uh, Hatemonger steps into comics. Okay. And he has a big pointy purple hat with an right. H on it. Right. He first battles the Fantastic Four, and he's a clone of Hitler. You know, uh, people get on Rod Serling yeah. for being too on the nose. <laughs> I'm just going to say, if you're going to pick on Rod, yeah. you kind of got to pick on Stan. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, but some anvils need to be dropped. Now, like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Interestingly, <laughs> guess what one comic he never shows up in? Captain America? No, X-Men. Real? What? Yeah. What? You can't be too on the nose. Yes, you can. No, no, no. Have you? You can't. I mean, you can't have someone who's so clearly a cutout for the KKK fight against people who are clearly a cutout for oppressed minorities. You can have them fight against the wholesome nuclear family. You can have them fight against 
Captain America. You can have him fight against the Avengers. You can have him fight okay. against all them. All right, you but can't go. But making but making the subtext into overt text. Can't do that. Can't do that. Now, much later, the mutant registration becomes a plot point in the eighties. Uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X are dead by this point, and mutanthood mm-hmm. starts to dip into gay rights. Which we're which is get your into. Bailiwick. Yeah, but I wanted to pull this quote, and I apologize if I, I'm stealing your thunder. Yeah. But Professor X says, I must also object the, to your contention that this quote cause is not my own. A person does not need to be black to understand that apartheid is wrong. People of all religions are rightfully horrified and repulsed by the crimes perpetrated against the Jews during the Holocaust. Similarly, one need not be a victim of AIDS in order to have compassion for the hundreds of thousands of people, those who have suffered, and those who have died from this disease. Now, when was... Okay, I don't have that quote okay. in my materials. What This was from the 80s. Okay. Um... I'm not. It's got to okay, be later. Because 80s. yeah, because but because the, the timeline. There well, they 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 are, and yeah. the timeline. The t- I I now I want to find out precisely when that was because it's after the I registration into, becomes a plot point. That okay. much I remember. Okay, I've got okay. a picture of the panel. Okay. Um, on my computer, but and, and okay. I can I can pull that up for you. All right. Um, but he says uh, when the time comes that people are restricted to quote helping their own is the day I believe there will be no hope for any of us. Oh, wow. Now, back to MLK from my favorite thing of his. Letters from a Birmingham jail. Yes. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutually tied mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Yes. That's the same thing. Stan Lee's writing what's going on at the time as best he can, similar to Livy the Historian, without doing his own fieldwork. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, so he's making a pretty good use of the resources he does choose yeah. to use. Magneto, on the other hand, was Malcolm X and W.E.B. Du Bois. Du Bois? I, I, the Latinist in me makes really, me second guess yeah. everything now. I want to say Du Bois, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it's Du Bois. Um, anyway, uh, after the reboot of the X-Men, so this is after 1975, it yeah. comes out that he survived the Holocaust. Yes. Now that topic wasn't fair game in '63 for the most part, and it's not really. Well, it was too recent in public memory. Yeah, and and interestingly enough, most people wanted to forget about it. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the impulse to want to is entirely understandable. Yeah. Um, but anyway. So on. it's not until '92 that his ethnic origin uh, is a fixed feature of his mythos. By the way, it's only in '92 okay. that really yeah that late. But as early as '81 which is the same year that Martin Luther King Day becomes a federal holiday, except maybe in Arizona. Um, he was a survivor of the Holocaust in some way. So as early as 81, they've been claiming that. But then they get into his actual... He, he was yeah. actually, in fact, Jewish. Yeah. Okay. He's lived through the Holocaust. He's seen the worst of humanity. Uh, he doesn't think mutants should have to prove themselves. Like, why should we? Look what you all do. Uh, his experiences make his ideology such that separation is better and safer for his people. He even ends up with a, a, a meteor base. Yeah. Talk about separation. Oh, yeah. Uh, quote, I remember my own childhood. The gas chambers as Auschwitz. The guards joking as they herded my family to their death. As our lives were nothing to them, so human lives became nothing to me. All right. Now, comic code is still in effect. Yeah. 
It's interesting to note. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So now that that quote mm-hmm. just now mm-hmm. when 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 was that quote? That was ninety two. Really? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, but it was some at some point while. If I'm remembering correctly, while I was in high school, mm-hmm. uh, Professor X had you know a comic book death or offstage right. or something, and Magneto actually wound up leading, leading. the X Men. That was '86. Okay, and 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 so Magneto's. I want to I want to see if if I, I don't know if you've you've got it there mm-hmm. in your notes, but if we're talking about the allegory of him as Malcolm X, mm-hmm. the public perception of Malcolm X affecting mm-hmm. his portrayal and his his appearance in the comic books he mm-hmm. winds up being the leader of the x-men right he winds up going from you know leader of the brotherhood of evil mutants totally unironic none of right. that to being seen as no no he is an extremist but he 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 goes from being a villain to being an antagonist yeah in that sense and he's also redeemed yeah, and then they put him on trial for crushing a Russian sub and sinking it. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that happen there, and the X Men end up standing up for him mm-hmm. because he's been redeemed, and then he ends up falling away from the path again. Yeah, yeah, all that is essentially from once you have the Mutant Registration Act in the early '80s. Yeah, essentially from then on, you really see him changing over time from, like you said, a, a villain to completely unreconstructed, mustache twirling, right. Snidely and, whiplash. And he turns into a an antagonist who is misguided. Yeah. Um, who is clearly not doing it the right way. Yeah. Now, this is long after X and King are dead, too. Yeah. But you're starting to see the rehabilitation and the the um, the scholarship on their writings because yeah. it's been enough years that you can actually you know, the, discuss the, you can things. You yeah. can get some separation and get some historical context. So... Now, I would point out that the Comic Book Code Authority managed to make a villain out of the man who is a victim of the history's greatest villains. Yes. He is Stan Lee's, and later Marvel's, understanding of Malcolm X and W.E.B. Yeah. Du Bois. So he's a bad guy who can't get over the past. Okay. He wants to rule. Stan Lee tries, but he's ultimately hemmed in by the 60s culture and comic book tropes. Um Another quote of of uh, Magneto from much earlier, um, from I want to say sixty four. The human race no longer deserves dominion over the planet Earth. The day of the mutants is upon us. The first phase of my plan shall be to show my power to make Homo sapiens bow to Homo superior. No, actually, I'm sorry. I apologize. That's after seventy five, because um, Homo superior doesn't doesn't get show into lexicon up until, until yeah. Yeah. Now consider <clears throat> what this quote sounds like to white ears. In January of 63. We don't go for segregation. We go for separation. Separation is when you have your own. You control your own economy. You control your own politics. You control your own society. You control your own everything. You have yours and you control yours. We have ours and we control ours. We want the same for ourselves as you have for yourselves. And when we get it, then it's possible to think more intelligently and think in terms that are along peaceful lines. But a man who doesn't have what is his, he can never think always in terms. Uh, he can never think always in terms that are along peaceful lines. Or this, he thinks his friend is his enemy, and his enemy is his friend, and he usually ends up loving his enemy, turning his other cheek to his enemy. 
But this new type, he doesn't turn the other cheek to anybody. He doesn't believe in any kind of peaceful suffering. He believes in obeying the law. He believes in respecting people. He believes in doing unto others as he would have done unto himself. But at the same time, if anybody attacks him, he believes in retaliating if it costs him his life. Okay. Can you see how those quotes sound like the human race no longer deserves dominion over the planet Earth. The day of the mutants is upon us. To to fragile segregationists. To people who to, their entire to, life has been built around white supremacy. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Any you know. self-separation sounds dangerous because, wait, what are you going to do if we're not controlling you? Yeah. Right? And someone who's confident in that, who says, quote, in October of 63... We believe in a fair exchange, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a head for a head, and a life for a life. If this is the price of freedom, we won't hesitate to pay the price. By any means necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or in 64. There will be more violence than ever this year, Malcolm told the reporters. White people will be shocked when they discover that the passive little Negro that they had known turns out to be a roaring lion. The whites had better understand this while there's still time. The Negroes at the mass level are ready to act. It is dangerous to deceive the white people into believing that all is well. We should be peaceful, law-abiding. But the time has come, he, he puts that in quotes, uh, but the time has come for the American Negro to fight back in self-defense whenever and wherever he is being unjustly and unlawfully attacked. Yeah. That sounds a lot like Magneto. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's really, Magneto sounds... Like a panic version, yes, yeah. yeah, of that or this. Yeah. And when you can bring me a nonviolent racist, bring me a nonviolent segregationist, then I'll get nonviolent. But don't teach me to be nonviolent until you teach some of those crackers to be nonviolent. You know, and and the thing is, mm -hmm. to me listening mm -hmm. to that in 2019 mm -hmm. with my background my upbringing and all that i hear that and i say well that just only kind of makes sense right but to any to a to a to someone who's moderate, ignored to a to a to, well to a to a yeah. moderate or a a shaky liberal yeah uh of of white extraction mm -hmm. in the 1960s that would be well, you know. He's he's calling he's calling for revolution. He's yeah. calling for straight up rebellion. This yeah. is this is incitement to violence. No, it's just saying if you punch me, I'm going to swing back. Mm -hmm. Well, that's but, but to anybody, yeah, yeah. But to anybody who who had been again completely inculcated in a culture, mm -hmm. you know, prior to that, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. No, Magneto Magneto is the white panic interpretation of of what he's saying. And it's it's taking that and then taking it the additional step forward, which mm -hmm. is we're not just going to separate ourselves. We're going to wind up taking control, and you're going to wind up being our slaves. Yeah. But and and what I had written down here was you could draw a line from that rhetoric to a rhetoric of domination, if you wanted. Yeah. You'd be wrong, but you could do you, it. Yeah. You know, and that's the kicker is that um, if, if somebody is speaking up for themselves, suddenly it's like, oh god, why are they challenging the status quo? Well, yeah. And therefore, if you're challenging the status quo, you gotta be a bad guy, right? Yeah. And for the comic book code and Stanley, that's very clear. Separation and self-defense by any means necessary leads to supremacy and domination. So Magneto is automatically a bad guy who always wanted to rule the world because he didn't buy into the system. 
and so he was always defeated. Yes. Now because it's, yeah. CCA. Yeah. And because white fragility, and and white code. supremacy, yeah, and the and the yeah. Hays Code. I yeah. mean, and and again, Stanley is trying to do something here, but he is limited by who he is, where he is, and who yeah. his friends are. It's also worth noting that the X Men didn't run for very long in the sixties. Uh, by sixty nine, they tried everything, um, including introducing new members who were family to the original members. Yep, yeah. I'm sure if they thought of jumping over tiger shark they would have nice thank you but it petered out and it settled into reprints for a while uh in 75 they come back this time with an international more colorful flair and this time it's stuck it sticks yeah they figure out the formula but by this point stanley's not in charge of their stories either no chris claremont right now things have changed and i'm gonna get into that oh good good yeah oh yeah uh yeah it makes sense actually that you would pick up right around there because the disco um, so, which I, I bring that up yeah. only half joking. Like disco yeah. was, uh, I just read recently, uh, somebody wrote something about it. Uh, they said, uh, the attack on disco was really a reaction to homosexuals and people of color finding a type of dance that they really enjoyed. Yeah. So, but Stanley's yeah. gone. Claremont's in charge. Things changed. Uh, everyone's adults, and uh, they didn't waste time on coming of age stories. No, you just the X Men are all together now. Yeah. By 1975, a good many of the leaders of the civil rights movement are dead. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Bobby Hutton, Fred Hampton, Mark Clark, Robert Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, on and on. The Black Panther Party was fractured and devouring itself. Also yes. by 75, when the X-Men return with a bunch of adults who know who they are, they know how to use their powers already, and they have an international flair, including a real asshole from Japan. Um, <laughs> there have been other comic book characters who took on racism. Terribly, but they did. Badly, yeah. Black was... Panther and Luke Cage, right? Yeah. Black Panther shows up in 66, and for a little bit, he changes his name to Black Jaguar. Yes, because Black Panther is too close to the party that white people are scared of. It yep. goes away quickly. But he also started covering up his whole body, including his face. For a while, he just did this. He had the cowl. Yeah. Um, so the superhero, who was a black king from an African nation, was largely invisible with his blackness. Yes. Uh, he's taking on this weird blue-black tone because of how comic book colors were colored at the time. He got to be on the Avengers. He guest starred with a bunch of other comics. His own comic debuted in 1973. Do you know what its title? No. Jungle Action. Hmm. Yeah. Luke Cage. Huh. Hold. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sure. I need. I need. <laughs> I need a moment. Sure. That's. Wow. That's that's so bad. All right. You know, right now is actually a really good moment. Uh, yeah. To try our first ad break. So we're going to leave you with the thought of jungle action (laughs) and we'll come back on the other side of this ad. Indeed. And we're back. Sadly, we're back (laughs) from jungle action. Well, no, we're also back from a a fine advertisement. From a fine fine product. From a fine pitch for, yes. yes. But, but I mean, Now we have to dive back into this. back to jungle action. God help us all. So, actually, I'll go into Power Man. Speaking of of well-meaning but ham-fisted. Yes. Yeah. So, Power Man. Yeah. 
he deba- debuts in his own comic. Uh, yeah. Luke Cage, Hero for Hire. Yeah. In 1972. Now, in the early 1970s, there's a type of film that's out called Blaxploitation. Yes. And this is Marvel answering to that. As Blaxploitation films go down in popularity, Marvel starts teaming them up with other folks, notably Iron Fist, as Kung Fu movies are going up. Yes. Since those two took on issues of race and identity, a white guy doing kung fu and a, a black guy in Harlem. Yeah, except I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna point this out. Sure. The, the whole thing about the white guy doing kung fu mm-hmm. was not really something they confronted. True. Um, you know, I, Iron Fist is is a regrettable example. Yeah. Of uh, you know, I, I don't want to say white savior, but um, you know. White people the, make the, the best the, Indians. The, the, the white guy, the white guy showing up and and you know being being the chosen one mm-hmm. uh, in in a prophecy, you know, based around you know a non-white culture. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole set of unfortunate tropes tied to that, and the, that's that's one of those places where, again, I think the writers meant well, but they were just blind to their own. Assumptions they yes. they didn't they didn't they, did, they didn't have enough distance to actually look at the context and go, you know, hey, wait a minute, we're we're trying to write a comic about you know a working class African American hero and his buddy, and his buddy is a white guy who has like completely appropriated mm-hmm. a a major yeah. facet of of another culture. Yes, entirely. Yeah, maybe we ought to think a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. But you know, just whew, yeah. right straight over their heads. But beca- so, because of these guys, yeah, uh, X Men didn't have to keep going with racism components of being mutant. No, the children of the Atom are still dealing with identity and being outsiders, but they're no longer hemmed in by the issues of racism in America to the level they had been in their inception. And largely, this puts the moral components of bigotry on the shoulders of Magneto. He's still a bad guy at this point, but he's leading a faction as well. So despite Stan Lee not writing it, the civil rights movement and its fractionalization feeds right back into the issue of mutants, with Magneto being the real prime mover. But at least he's starting to get really good lines in. Here you go. In 1975. All right. You humans slaughter each other because of the color of your skin or your faith or your politics or for no reason at all. Too many of you hate as easily as you draw breath. What's to prevent you from adding us to that list? Hadn't they yeah. added them to that list decades, like, a long yeah, time? Yeah, but before? he's probably talking to a moderate liberal <clears throat> type. You know, oh, like, yeah, you know, okay, good point. Why are you doing this? I'm one of the good ones. Yeah. All right. Now, by this point, and on into the 80s, he's not wearing a mask. He wears very little orange, and he's mostly wearing purple. Oh, that's true. So he's no longer signaling that he's insane or even out of step. Mm-hmm. I had, I had completely forgotten about uh-huh. the dramatic color change in his costume mm-hmm. and it's interesting to note that in the X-Men films yes he's wearing kind of a burgundy purple mm-hmm. huh yeah I that I, I I had never paid attention to that until now color matters yeah especially in a visual medium yeah well, granted uh, so <clears throat> he's no longer signaling that he's insane. No longer yeah. signaling that he's out of step. He's simply a leader of a faction. He's still a bad guy because history and the colors he's wearing. Um, but there's no good response to him anymore. 
there's no there's no facile response to him anymore. It's it's a more it it is a more shaded, more nuanced kind of kind of response that you have to make. He's got a point. Yeah, and and I think it's a reflection of mm-hmm. where the conversation in our culture had gone. Partly, also the specter of black activism and black separatism was far more distant because of the fracturing of the civil rights movements. Okay. Partly because also 1968 was the the signal to dominant culture that they didn't have anything to worry about because Nixon got elected. All right, yeah. If and you wanna, all you those know, really get bleak about it. Yeah, and all those activist leaders were killed. Wow. And then by '75, Ford's in charge. Uh, okay. So, or maybe it's all that we had left was existential dread because Nixon won and left Ford in charge. I don't know. Uh. But either way, prior to their cancellation, the only new members to join the X-Men had been Mimics, literally a character named Mimic. Yeah. Or siblings of current members. Yes. Not straying too far from the topic at hand. Uh, but when they got reissued, they went full international. They had a guy from Ireland. They had yeah. a guy from Germany. They had a guy from Russia. A guy from Japan. A gal from Africa. The whole continent. Um, <laughs> a guy <Yeah>. from Canada. <laughs> a guy from a Native American reservation. And so yes. on. Yeah. So the world had shifted away from the idea that we're all the same, by the way. And identity was far more localized. And that's what mutants had become. Okay. From 80 to 90, they added a few more groups to be represented, but things were really shifting into this new territory. Registration issue became a constant menace. Uh, there was this need to control mutants, to restrict their movements, and I know you're going to get into that. Uh, keep tabs on them. That was what they chafed against now. Yeah. Uh, is an apartheid state, really, uh, having to do with giant robot sentinels and people just born different with superpowers. By the 90s, they'd come a long way since being threatened by Clem and his cronies in the South who wanted to hang them. Yeah. Uh, they were joined by a lot of former foes. Yes. Magneto for a while. Also a couple of Roma characters. Yes. A Jewish character. A Southern Belle, former villain. Mm-hmm. Aliens. Alien robots. That was a weird one. Whole, a whole species of aliens that were clearly knockoffs of uh, the yeah. Alien franchise. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. The Brood. Uh, more Native Americans, a British aristocrat who got turned into a Japanese person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People who were lost in time. Yeah. A disco queen. Oh, yeah. On and on. But you notice what's happening. More women and more people from marginalized facets of society. Yeah, well, from, yeah, yes. And, And they're not as powerful. They're just not. So you need a bigger team. And so they're different. At, at the beginning, at the, yeah. at the outset, at the outset of that change, yep. yes, yeah. As time goes on, of oh yeah, course, then, that yeah. that goes out. That that underpowered part goes out the window. Yeah. But yeah, and the more and more control is being foisted upon them. Right now, the people who are joining the X Men by this point are damaged. Oh, in various and sundry ways. Because we are too. There's yeah. former villains. There's antiheroes. They're nuanced. People that you might find troublesome, but who seem to want to do the right thing. Uh, And this occurs sometime after the Secret Wars, but really after the Dark Phoenix Saga. And it seems to parallel what you're going to get into, the gay panic about AIDS uh, in the 80s. 
Um, but you can't confront these issues because comic book code, right? And yeah. you can have a lot of allusions to it if you do it right. Um, and I go back to that, that quote from Professor X where he mentions AIDS, right, from last week. Yeah. They're generally, in general, nodding to oppressed groups all over the world, right? They're even discussing secret bigotry, homophobia, etc. Yeah. But it's part of a larger issue of registration and the issues surrounding yeah. that. Um, and that's where I kind of lop off. There's a couple things I want to show you and, and quote to you, and okay. then I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay. So I want you to look at this panel right here. All right. And feel free to zoom as you see fit. Oh, yeah. Describe as you like. Um, uh, there's a Mike Pence looking dude. <laughs> Actually, I should just say there's a you know uh, standard uh, cookie cutter uh, Republican senator uh, a looking dude because they all they all seem to be cut from this mold. Very Mike Pence. Uh, very 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 Anglo guy with uh, white hair in a in a business suit, um, and he is clearly arguing in favor of uh, mutant registration. And there is a back and forth between the assembled X Men who are uh, standing on a stage with this guy. They just saved his life. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Telling and, him he should feel lucky that they're there. Yeah. And uh, he he has he has a back and forth with them mm-hmm. uh, about essentially them saying, you know, you're, you're very fortunate that, you know, we were here, we saved you. Uh, would you do that to someone because of the color of their skin or their beliefs? He says, I do nothing, Cyclops. I am an instrument of the Lord. Hmm. So we're getting into uh, dominionism and uh, you know use of, of uh, uh, religion as a, as a tool of oppression. And um, ah, and then he, he in the center of the page, he says, whatever man's color or beliefs, he is still human. Those children and you X-Men are not. Mm-hmm. And Scott Summers being, you know, the the paladin, uh, you know, champion of uh, Dudley Do Right of the Mounties, argues back with him. And uh, to summarize, at, at the end, Scott Scott finishes his his response with, "For all you know, we could be the real human race." And whoever this dude is uh, points at Nightcrawler and says, "Human, you dare call that thing?" Human, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. yeah. So there, there is a a very clear, very overt uh, statement about the othering of uh, minority groups. Now in this uh, panel, and I, I guess very probably the very next page of that same mm-hmm. issue, are we now to let those who put forward the proposition that we are descended from apes? Oh, great. So he's an anti-evolutionist, too. Yeah. Tell us that our descendants, our children, will be born monsters and that this is natural. No, you moron. That's not what evolutionary theory (laughs) states. I say no. I say never. We are as God made us. Any deviation from that sacred template, any mutation comes not from heaven, but hell. Okay. Read a science textbook. Yep. Dipstick. So. So you see that? Yeah, well, you know, and it should be pointed out, if I'm remembering correctly when that uh-huh. happened, this is either the 80s or early 90s, mm-hmm. 
And uh, in in our political landscape, mm-hmm. uh, in our cultural landscape, this was the beginning of the period of mega churches. This was the mm-hmm. in into the height of the alliance between evangelical Christian mega pastors and mm-hmm. the Republican Party. And you know those those individuals make their bread and butter by picking on gays picking on mm-hmm. non-Christians, atheists, or believers in other faiths. Yep. Um, they, you know, basically, yeah, they, they, yeah, abortion. Any, anybody who wants uh, equal reproductive health rights for women. Yep. Anybody who uh, chooses to, uh, you know, stimulate their genital nerve in a way they don't approve of, you know, and anybody who's a creepy foreigner um, are basically the way they make their money. Mm-hmm. By stirring up fear and of of those individuals and mm-hmm. and calling for their oppression and their control, and so that's what we're seeing being portrayed here. And again, you really can't get very much more on the nose than that, right? So I'm going to read again. We are as God made us. Any deviation from that sacred template, any mutation, comes not from heaven but hell. Now this guy looks like which vice president? Oh, Mike Pence. Yes. Uh, and race Bannon with longer hair and not as good a physique. Yeah. So here's, here's another quote. See if these things sound alike. Segregation or separation is thus a basic principle of biblical law with respect to religion and morality. Every attempt to destroy this principle is an effort to reduce society to its lowest common denominator. I forget who said that. Some racist. Is that Wallace? Yeah. Yeah. That had to be. Yeah. Forget who said that. So, yeah. Come on. <laughs> like, so, like, yeah, no, that's George motherfucking Wallace right there. So I, I just... Son of a bitch. That's, and that's, oh, and that is, by the way, after, that's around 85, 86, because Kitty Pride's wearing the green suit. Yeah. And uh, Aurora is wearing hardly any suit. Yeah. With the flowy and all that. With the flowy and, and the then, swoopy. And uh, then Wolverine is wearing the brown and the orange. Yeah. Uh, orange. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Brown, because he's trying to retire. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I'm going to end with this quote, and I'm going to turn it over to you All right. uh, for the next part. Um, this is from Psychology Today, specifically right. about the X-Men movies and the comic books. Okay. okay. So I might be stepping a little into yours as well. All right, well. Quote, there are frequent moments where the X-Men creative teams manage to turn a superhero soap opera into an opportunity to meaningfully engage readers and viewers of all ages with social issues that are too often ignored by both the mainstream media and mainstream educational institutions. Even if the X-Men comics and films at times fail to adequately or accurately convey what scholars have learned about prejudice and group relations, they nevertheless open the door for historians and social scientists to weigh in and provide their own perspectives. An important point. A very one. A uh, very academically phrased point. But, well, it is but, psychology today. Well, yeah, yeah. but but yeah, I, I think an important an important note. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so, moving on. Yeah. Chronologically and kind of thematically, because mm-hmm. because we've we've talked about the the relationship between X Men and racism and you know the the racial civil rights movement. Well. Chronologically, yes, the development of the civil rights movement in this country expanded from the the plight of African Americans mm-hmm. into over time other other yes other marginalized and and 
oppressed groups within within our society. Mm-hmm. And so in in 63-64 we see the beginning of the, the very beginning of the civil rights movement focusing on desegregation, voting rights act right. and, and all of that that for for focused on the plight of African Americans in our society. Right. That then paved the way for mm-hmm. the spread into the public consciousness of the LGBTQ rights mm-hmm. movement, the gay rights movement. Now, I'm going to wind up using gay as a stand-in for LGBTQ uh-huh. frequently just because it's shorter to say it's faster. And, and I, I, will, I will do everything I can to be as, as respectful as I, as I can in, in all cases. Um, I also want to point out, because uh, I think it's, it's worth pointing out that much like we're talking about Stan Lee, being a white guy in New York, trying mm-hmm. to talk about the plight of you know African Americans, and trying to talk about the point of view of of African American civil rights leaders, mm-hmm. we are a couple of straight white, largely straight, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, past uh, enough for straight, yeah, um, uh, white guys, mm-hmm. uh, you know, middle class, middle age, uh, uh, white dudes. And so, um, you know, what, what I'm, what I'm going to be saying here is certainly me coming from a position of, I'm trying to be respectful. If there is any place in which I, I slip up, I want to apologize for that ahead of time. Please, if you catch me slipping up, let mm-hmm. me know Yes. so that I can, you know, make a correction in a later episode and, and you know, recognize that. Now that's at E.H. Blaylock on Twitter. At, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and if you're shy about coming to him, you can hit me up at duh. Harmony on Twitter. On Twitter. Or you can hit us up at Geek History Time or Geek History of Time. No, Geek History Time. Geek History Time. Time, Also on Twitter. Now, um, the assertions I'm going to start with uh, are not directly supported at all by authorial intent. Okay, when we're talking about the X Men. Keeping our theme alive. (laughs) Okay, yes. None of the original mutants in the X Men were written at the time of their original creation to be gay or lesbian or in any way queer. Right. Uh, what they did outside of their blue and yellow spandex was tied up in cishet romance tropes. Very much so. Like all of it. Yeah. Bobby Drake had several girlfriends. It's chasing tail with the beast all yes, the time. Yes, Gene and Scott had their relationship, which got predictably soap opera by Logan's appearance later on as the id to Scott's superego. Yeah, ooh, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, again, talking about foreign Lothario. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> Saturday, Saturdine, Saturdine, dark-haired foreigner. Um Etc. Professor X had his affairs with Scottish scientists and alien princesses. I'm not going to make a joke about the plumbing working. I'm not going to make a joke about the plumbing working. <laughs> any kind of romance or any kind of sexual subplot was always clearly and firmly straight. Okay. Anyway. Okay. It's worth noting that under the authority of the CCA, homosexuality could not be portrayed. That's true. And Jim Shooter who was editor-in-chief for a great number of years, had a stated policy of no gay characters mm-hmm. during his time as, ed- as editor-in-chief, which we'll come back to when we get to talking about North Star. But there's a writer by the name of Tom Capon of Gay Star News who has the best quote I could find about this. If an LGBTI person loves superhero comics, mm-hmm. they love the X-Men. In a very great many ways, the X-Men embodied life experiences of LGBTQ, LGBTI people. First, 
Mutants are hated and feared for a part of themselves they didn't choose. Just like right. racial prejudice. This is prejudice. Right. You know, mutants frequently display the first sign of their abilities during puberty. Right. Usually, mutants have to decide whether or not to reveal their nature to friends and family. Mm-hmm. Doing so risks ostracism for their difference, but not doing so means hiding who they truly are and stifling their potential. Right. And those who can't hide their nature face persecution and violence. Yeah. Okay, that, that panel that yeah. you just had me looking at about Nightcrawler. Who, yeah, Nightcrawler who cannot, pass. cannot pass for not a mutant. It's right. just not doable. The X-Men, the Morlocks, the Brotherhood and Sisterhood of Evil Mutants, and all of the other mutant teams all form families of choice. The Morlocks okay, are the most yeah. obvious example of this being straight up <laughs> a gang of outcast mutants who banded together for protection. Mm-hmm. Much like... Within, That's, uh, yeah, you know, gay gay culture within gay circles, it is in very gay communities. It is, it is yeah. it, gay communities. It is common yeah. that you know you you find a lot of people who have very very fractious relationships with their family by blood, and so they have families of choice, and yeah. that becomes. The, the your support network that becomes yeah. who who your surrogate they, family your surrogate family, so. So the 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 allegory mm-hmm. is is there whether it was intended or not, and Chris Claremont himself Ooh. has stated in interviews that while he didn't have a queer subtext in mind, he saw the manner in which the subtext of queerness was taken by fans, and he ran with it. In New Mutants number forty five, mm-hmm. teenager named Larry Bodine gets bullied into suicide for being a mutant. He's, he's a teenager. He's a high school student. Wow. He gets called a mutie. Now, the thing is, the people who call him that right. don't actually know he's a mutant. They throw the slur at him because, you know, okay. it's, like it's what you call somebody. Using the in the 80s in every movie. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Odd, that. And then Kitty Pride gives mm-hmm. an impassioned speech at Larry's funeral that all but crosses the line into making the subtext text. Oh, wow. Mystique is now canonically, now, mm-hmm. got retconned, but it canonically recognized as being queer, but she was ambiguously so forever. Right. Having a relationship with Destiny, a female mutant, oh, that wow. when Mystique is in her true, true, in quotes, form, mm-hmm. again, brushes right up to the line of admitting that they're same-sex lovers. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, and she's a bad guy. Yes. And a woman in control of her own sexuality. Is so it way. all ties into that vamp type stuff mm-hmm. too. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Which is queer coding. Yeah, oh yeah. It, it is, is it's totally queer coded and there is actually a trope on TV tropes about um, what's the what oh, I'm trying to remember the name, but but essentially it's the it's the villainous villainous homosexual, villainous villainous bisexual, villainous queer. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like it's in a lot of film noir. Yeah. Yeah. So the subtext was there. Mm-hmm. Okay, whether the writers always meant it to be or not, like we talked about with Tolkien, an allegory, authorial intent doesn't always carry through. It, it, mm-hmm. you're, you can't control how your readers are going to interpret right. what you're putting out there. Now, <clears throat> before I start talking about the introduction of overtly LGBTQ characters uh-huh. into X-Men lore, we got to look at some of the chronology 
of how the real world and Earth 616 line up with each other. Okay. So, 1969. Okay, what is what is largely recognized, almost universally recognized as the beginning of uh, the gay rights movement, the gay liberation movement is mm-hmm. the Stonewall uh, Stonewall the, Riot. Stonewall Riot, or Riot. also referred to as the Stonewall Uprising. Okay. The Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village uh, happened on 28 June. Mm-hmm. Uh, later that same year, mm-hmm. on October 31st, a protest outside the San Francisco Examiner's Office led to employees of the paper, this is the San Francisco Examiner, Okay. dumping either a bag or a barrel, depending on who's telling the story, of uh-huh. ink from the roof of the building onto the protesters down on the street. Oh, shit. Police were called in to arrest the protesters. Of course. Natch, and activists who had been splattered used the ink to write phrased slogans like gay power, and, and other such stuff on the walls of the building, and they smeared purple handprints all over buildings, all over downtown, caused thousands of dollars in property damage doing it. Um, the incident is now known as the Friday of the Purple Hand for this reason. Um, and <clears throat> Stonewall, mm-hmm. uh, in, in doing this research, this is something I learned, Stonewall was not a, a one-time, one-night thing. The, the Stonewall riots took place over the course of several days and involved multiple yeah. uh, conflicts between protesters, rioters, whatever, you, whatever you know, depending mm-hmm. on which historian is writing it, uh, and, and police. And led to activists within Greenwich Village, mm-hmm. within, within the gay community in Greenwich Village, uh, deciding, okay, no, look, we have to start really constructing our own safe spaces right where we're going to be protected from police harassment now there were other riots in other places prior to stonewall uh there was the cooper donuts riot in 1959 in la which was also a reaction to police harassment of gay and transgender people uh the black cat tavern riot in 1967 also in los angeles and again sparked by police harassment of homosexuals and transsexuals transgender people but stonewall again was a prolonged conflict with the police uh-huh. that captured because it was in new york which is the media center right of the country uh it wound up capturing a wide audience and cast a broad shadow over the public consciousness that's similar to the hard hat riots yeah capturing the consciousness right around the same time yeah um but yeah if it happens in new york then it's really really big news for the rest of us well, because it's really, really big news to the people who write the news right. that we that all see. We um, and it's important to note that the Friday of the Purple Hand uh-huh. happened after Stonewall. Because before Stonewall, it's kind of unlikely that activists would have been able to gather a crowd right. to protest the examiner. What they were protesting was the examiner's homophobic editorial policies. Before Stonewall... Uh-huh. Nobody would have thought to try to get people together to protest it. Right. Or they wouldn't have thought they could succeed. Yeah. And so it wouldn't have happened. Stonewall happened, mm-hmm. which all of a sudden covers the, the, the public consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, they, and activists think, hey, wait a minute. We're not the only ones. Right. This is something we can stand up and say something about. There are other people fighting in the streets over this. Right. 
you know, and so on multiple levels to anybody with an activist or social justice motivated mindset, Mm -hmm. this would be okay. No luck. You know what? If they're out there, you know, fighting with the police and and all this, then I need to stand up and, and, and say, no, look, I'm not going to put up with you, you know, speaking about us this way, characterizing us this way, Mm -hmm. you know, and so 69 was the big year for the foundation of all of this in 1973. The APA declassified homosexuality as a mental illness. Right. In 1975, Chris Claremont takes over the relaunch of the X-Men with the introduction of a new team, which we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Thunderbird were all introduced for the first time in Giant X-Men number one. Right. Claremont as the head writer, wanted to make a point that mutants were different. Like, fundamentally different. Okay. More of the newer mutants had alien or even demonic appearances. Think of Nightcrawler. Yeah. Think of uh, the, the I can't remember the character's name right now, but the villain who turns out to be Nightcrawler's dad. You know, I Azazel, mean... They, I think yeah, name. something like that. Yeah. yeah. They, they, look, they look demonic. They yeah. look devilish. They couldn't or didn't see the point of fitting in with normal homo sapiens. Right. And a lot of this nonconformity codes as queer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm just fundamentally different. I don't, I don't fit in. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't care about all of the same things. I'm not driven by all the same things. My identity is fundamentally not the same. Uh, Claremont doesn't take credit for intentionally coding it that way, but the subtext is almost impossible to miss in a lot of cases, and he has stated that he takes great joy in the way that fans have appropriated the subtext. So it's a case of the author actually saying, no, you know what? But that's I didn't think of that. That's bitching. You run with that. Nice. In 1978, Harvey Milk, the first gay man elected to public office in California, Mm -hmm. and the first... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love the way Wikipedia had to parse this. Openly gay, non-incumbent elected to political office in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's a story there or a couple. Yeah. Was assassinated alongside San Francisco Mayor George Moscone by former SFPD officer. Right. And failed politician Dan White. Well, now here's the thing. Dan White was part of the old guard in San Francisco. He was very much the Irish working class. That's who yes. he represented in his district. Um, and he had, I believe, quit and then asked for his gig back. And one of the things he was doing was going to Harvey to get support from Harvey. Hey, if you do this, I'll, I'll do this. And Harvey's like, no. Uh, no, you quit. Yeah, you're done, man. It's, you know, like, no, yeah. I, I owe you nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also, his... I, are you going to cover what happened to Dan White as a result of this? Um, not quite. Oh, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and when he went on trial, of course, yes. Uh, the Twinkie defense. Yes. Uh, he tried to argue that uh, essentially, or his attorney tried to argue that essentially, uh, he he uh, committed a double murder, uh, because he suffered from a massive sugar high. Yeah. Um. And we both have children. Yes. None of whom has committed mass murder. No, although my son has committed at least one biological weapon attack, (laughs) 
uh, on me and my wife uh, after being exposed to too much uh, sugar uh, for his tiny little system to handle. But I don't think there was homicidal intent involved. No, yeah, didn't. No. no, no. Ruined, ruined a couple of shirts. But sure. that's about it. Um, no, this is also at the same time seventy eight. This is the this is the year that Mystique first appears in the comics. Now, wow, she's a shapeshifter. Right, she walks among capable us. of switching gender. Mm-hmm. Claremont intended for her to be Nightcrawler's father. This was his idea, was that she was going to be Nightcrawler's father, having morphed into a male shape to conceive him with her lover, Destiny. Wow. This was his idea. The CCA said, nine. No way. No way. (laughs) She was shooter, probably burst a blood vessel hearing the idea in a writer's meeting. The point is, she was intended as being gender fluid from the get-go. Claremont resorted to... To subtext mm-hmm. because he couldn't get away with writing text. Yeah. In 1979, uh, Dan White, mm-hmm. our our friend in quotes, uh, uh, the the assassin, yeah, uh, was convicted of voluntary manslaughter, mm-hmm. which was the lightest possible charge. Right. On May 21st, protests outside San Francisco City Hall turned violent. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in property damage, injuries amongst both protesters slash rioters, depending on what historian you're talking about, Mm -hmm. and the police. This is important because it's in the wake of these events that Dianne Feinstein earned the undying support of the San Francisco LGBT community. I mean, at large, not necessarily every single individual. Right. But by revamping the San Francisco Police Department. Okay. Uh, she she uh, put a uh, gay friendly uh, either commissioner or chief in charge. Had a sweeping reform of the police department. The police department, the rank and file in the union, hated her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, most union folk hated her. Yeah, well, in San yeah. Francisco. Uh, yeah. Now, interestingly, she she did that, but she also blocked legislation within San Francisco to allow civil partnerships. Yeah. Uh, which is problematic as fuck when you get to the point of... Uh, 1981. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Over the course of the year, medical professionals across the country begin to note cases of Carposis sarcoma and pneumocystis carinii pneumonia mm-hmm. amongst gay men. This is the beginning of what would become the AIDS epidemic, and it is at first labeled as a gay cancer right. because of who the majority of patients in both cases are. Right. It's important to note... One doctor in Mm -hmm. New York, uh, Dr. Ari Rubenstein, did notice a number of newborns showing signs of the same disease in December. The majority of them were children of women who were known to be using drugs and engaging in sex work. He got dismissed by his colleagues because these infants could not possibly have, quote, the gay disease. Right. That's that's some Semmelweis level bullshit right it there. It really, really is. It really it is. It really is. And here's the thing. Um, I I for this is one of those issues where, as as somebody who's who's trying to trying to express a history of something, you you kind of have to choose between either like every single detail or go from mile wide to an inch deep. Right. And because of what it is that we're doing. I wound up going for my wide and inch deep, mm-hmm. and um, there, I could not catalog mm-hmm. 
sufficiently in the format of our podcast just exactly how awful the AIDS epidemic was. I mean, there's, yeah. there's no way, and, and I'm not even talking about it on a global scale. I'm just right. talking about it here in the United States in the 80s. There is no way for me to be able to adequately express just exactly how terrifying and destructive and shattering right. this epidemic was. HIV forced the LGBTQ community to new levels of activism because yeah. the Reagan administration was apathetic to the point of malice. The public used HIV as an excuse to stigmatize them. Right. And the disease killed tens of thousands of gay men before the federal government took meaningful action. Over the course of the 80s and 90s, the visibility of homosexuality and homosexuality and homosexuals increased rapidly. I remember there was a reporter who straight up was asking the press secretary of Ronald Reagan, hey, this is surprising and a lot of gay men dying. Do you have anything to say about that? And not only did he not have anything to say about that, they teased him. Like, yeah. why do you want to know? Why do you care? Yeah. Yeah. And he kept going back at it for months. Yeah. And never getting it. Never any, getting any yeah. kind of response. It's not until Rock Hudson gets it. And sorry. you got right to my next bullet point. No, not <laughs> sorry at all. Rock Hudson died in 1985. That same year, suddenly, out of the blue, the Reagan administration found money to put toward AIDS research. That mm-hmm. was the point at which they, they said, oh, hey, wait a minute. We got to, this is, oh my God, this is killing so many people. We've got to right. do something about this. Liberace. Yep. Died in 1987 of AIDS. And once again, the baby boom generation and their parents, the silence, had to face the reality that there had been <gasps> gay people living amongst them all this time. Here's the thing. That's well, very mystique. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and here's, here's the part that I find funny. Mm-hmm. And, and, and funny, funny in that it's not really funny, but you kind of have to laugh. Sure. Think about Liberace. Mm-hmm. Think about the persona he presented. Think about think about the way he he carried himself. Think about everything about his public persona. Yeah, it's an open secret. It's an open well, but the thing is, I remember my grandmother mm-hmm. was legitimately shocked <laughs> to find out that he was gay. I, you know, okay, so let me just make it a little like, more jovial for a second here. Like, my son and my daughter do an excellent Liberace impersonation, <laughs> and they've never seen Liberace. So here's what happened. In the 1950s, uh, there's an episode of Looney Tunes yes. called The Three Little Bops. Yep. I and wish one my them, brother George was here. That. Yes. And both of my kids latched onto latched that because onto it's that. Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. I, yeah. I, I, I am kind of being flipped, but I like to think. But, but that's I, I in think, 1954. Oh, yeah. A pig oh. imitating Liberace, Coach yeah. is gay. Everyone knew. Everyone, Everyone knew. Everyone knew, but not everybody acknowledged. Yeah. And and then of course Rock Hudson of course lived in the closet for right. forever. Yeah. And the thing is, straight America mm-hmm. finding out that these two iconic men, right, one of them a Hollywood sex, literally a Hollywood sex symbol, mm-hmm. 
And the other one, a beloved friend, at the very least, if not crush object, mm-hmm. to millions. The idea that they could be gay right, was was eye-opening. It was all of a sudden, no, wait, hold on. You mean you mean they're they but they're they're they I know them, you know. I mean, I don't know them, but I know them, right? You know, in that in yeah. that way that celebrities are like our imaginary friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like I said, my grandmother was just shocked to her core by both the revelation about Rock Hudson, which is a little bit easier to to understand, and uh, and, and Liberace and Rock Hudson coming out like saying, I I have been and am a homosexual man. Right. I have this disease. Like, that was earth-shaking. Oh, yeah. And at the same time that this was going on, the X-Men comics pushed a queer subtext farther and farther towards the line, as I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. New Mutants number 45 was published in 83. Okay. That's the one with the teenager who gets called a mutie. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thinks, oh my God, they know, kills himself. Kitty Pride has this, you know, speech. Um, I can see why this doesn't run afoul, too, because not only is he killing himself based on faulty information that we, the reader, realize that they don't know that he knows. So you can and and so you can put his suicide not on bullying and not on being tied to that. Actually, it's an overreaction on his part. It's melodramatic or whatever. So it's safe to do it in that way. In the same way that like. Most movies that tackle racism in the 90s cast the black person as the racist. Yeah. And then it's safe for white America to kind of deal with it. Yeah. And then put it back and then go about their day. Yeah. Same they're, thing they're here. Not, they're not being called out. Right. And yeah. it's the same thing here. It's it's yeah. a comfortable way of doing this <clears throat> so that you can then just put it back on the shelf when you're done. Yeah. 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 Now we don't see subtexts become mm-hmm. text uh-huh. until North Star comes out in 1992. He came out that early? Yes. Wow. Now, it's important to note, John Byrne, who uh-huh. created the character, uh-huh. had originally intended for North Star to be gay in 1979. No kidding. But again, CCA and Jim Shooter can't do it, won't do it. Well, and the thing is, North Star is, he is a support character on the Canadian on Avengers. Alpha Flight. On Alpha Flight. Yeah. And he and his sister are a matched pair. So he's not even his own entity. Yeah. So much as he and Aurora are their entity. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in his his orientation instead of instead of no no he's gay. Mm-hmm. His orientation was hinted at very broadly and repeatedly. Okay. But never straight up. Uh, 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 it was never never straight up acknowledged. Uh, there's uh, one notable uh, panel for for example where somebody calls his home and of course uh-huh. he's. You know, Olympic level athlete, millionaire. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, you know, matinee idol yeah. kind of figure. So he's, he's got this palatial, you know, home, mm-hmm. and he's in the pool, and the phone rings, mm-hmm. and a nearly naked guy with a towel around his waist answers the phone for him, saying, "This is North Star's residence." Okay. You know, like, right, you right. Know, and there's and there are exchanges between him and his sister mm-hmm. that are like. You know, it. I mean, over and over and over again, anybody who who you know had any ability to read between the lines was like, oh, yeah, okay, well, you know, clearly he's not interested in the ladies, right? You know, uh, but but it never, 
Never actually got said. Sure. Again, the love that dare not speak its name as, as, as the you know classical way of describing mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in 1992, five years after Jim Shooter had gotten fired, uh-huh. uh, Scott Lobdell finally got permission to have Northstar clearly state that he was gay in Alpha Flight number 106. Okay. Now, so... Um, Alpha Flight. You mentioned, of course, he's he's yeah. a member of Alpha Flight. Yes, uh, that's a also ran amongst X Men titles. It's a secondary team. It's not a big, not mm-hmm. a big, not, not not a big series. No, this it's is a, Alpha it's a Flight, darling one now. Yeah, it, but it's more of a cult thing. Yeah, like yeah. So it's Alpha Flight number one hundred six. The issue sold out in a week. No shit. Yes. Okay. That's telling. Yes. Now. North Star was handsome, white, a star athlete, and a millionaire, along with being a mutant and gay. It's almost like the writers didn't want to push too many buttons at once. At the same time, there's a level of representation that I applaud them for there, though. I mean, you are, you know, it's kind of like when the only black people you see in a movie are criminals yeah. or junkies. Whereas, like, oh, here's a black guy who is a successful head of a corporation. Oh, like, yeah. There's a level of that. So... I like that their first gay character is not one who is a homeless person that you need to pity. Yeah, or or a deviant or right. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So But um, at the same time, yes. At, it, at the same it, is, time, it is also sanitized. Yeah. So So now it, it took twenty years for North Star and his longtime partner to get married, but in twenty twelve they finally did, which I was remember that. the first depiction of a gay wedding in comics. Mm-hmm. Now a lot had changed in public perception of homosexuality and LGBTQ people in the meantime. Mm-hmm. By 2012, drug cocktails had turned HIV from a death sentence into a chronic and controllable medical condition. Yep. 2012 was notably the year that public support for recognition of gay marriages first hit a majority, 53%, according to Gallup. Gay characters on television had gone from being one-note jokes mm-hmm. to being the leads in their own series. Think of Ellen, think of Will and Grace. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I'm gonna stop it there because I, I get from I go from here. We're getting we're getting we're going over time a little bit, uh, and and this gets into I, I go into some intersectionality issues that come up. Cool. Uh, but I think for now that's a good place to to, to pause. Mm-hmm. Right now, what's your takeaway? I like that. Okay, so we have this running theme slash joke in our podcast where authorial <laughs> authorial intent don't mean crap, right? And yeah. at the same time, you got people that had authorial intent, yeah, coming out their ears, yeah, and they were frustrated by the CCA, yeah, and um, Jim Shooter. Yeah, I just want to point out mm-hmm. I I haven't had the opportunity to really express it verbally so far, okay, but I really want to point out that like as far as I'm concerned. Um, Jim Shooter really, really deserves, at the very least, a special place in purgatory, as as the Catholic at the table here. Maybe not a special place in hell, but a special <laughs> place in purgatory, because this is the X Men, which was founded around, uh-huh. or or not founded around, but quickly became built right. around right. a a core of social justice and and pointing out you know uh, segregation is evil and and you know the oh, supportive yeah. supported civil rights ideals and he was just running marvel comics with this blanket statement that no no you can't have any homos yeah like like dude what yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm sorry fanboy says what 
Like, yeah, it, you know, I, I yeah. just like what kind of gatekeeper bullshit is that? Um, now I'm I'm gonna push know. back a little bit. That's that's very presentist. Like I agree with you 100. percent But the the go to joke as late as 1995 on Friends was which you've been researching for another yes podcast. I have yes. good God <laughs> oh fuck me the, this research is going to kill me um, but on Friends was gay panic jokes yeah that was the go to in season oh. one and checkerboard it of season two yeah like you know they started writing better jokes actually but like gay panic was still a thing in the mid 90s yeah so it's clearly one of the safe places that you can still punch down and as a result it's one of those things that's kept in the closet and yeah. kept in the shadows like it really granted yeah all right so and keep in mind the 90s you can very clearly define uh, uh, divide it um in the middle most places you can but like in the middle because after a certain point gay characters prior to a certain point gay panic okay and it's a real so but yeah it, it, I, I get back to authorial intent though and just like that he wanted to yeah and was not allowed as early as you said 79 79 and that's now that's this is something. this is burn right and anybody knows anything about comics knows that burn was was a button pusher and a and and that kind of guy but that's but awesome. still yeah no it's amazing John, so John burn just how how <laughs> how to put this um I'm always astounded like the the Heimlich maneuver yeah is just a little older than we are yeah that's astounding to me like an ER is only about 20 or 30 years older than us yes you know stuff like that so when I when I find out that like for so long they've wanted to do this thing yeah and haven't until like damn near 20 years later that's that's quite something too so yeah. that's that's my takeaway is just like wow this this shit has been rumbling for a lot longer yeah. than than we thought yeah so most definitely um, well since we're on the topic of comics I'm going to recommend a comic uh, to to people uh, this week as well I said X-Men 1 through 24 last week uh, I'm going to recommend the comic book story of professional wrestling uh, by Aubrey Sitterston and Chris Moreno um, it uh, it it touches on a lot of things that we've talked about in previous episodes mm -hmm. um, but it's really for me it was skimming surfaces but for any normal human being um, it, it will offer <laughs> anybody who's not a wrestling super fan yeah it will offer a depth of understanding that heretofore has has not been accessible so it's, it's right. really good and I recommend that Okay. What are you recommending? Um, I highly recommend that uh, ad, as we record this, it is uh, the 5th of July. Mm -hmm. And uh, I highly recommend that anybody who has not done so recently go back and read the Declaration of Independence. Wow. Well done. And then um, the Constitution. If you're, if you're feeling frisky, it's a long document, but I, I would say... Article one, in particular, yeah. Uh, right now, I think is particularly important, and the Bill of Rights. Uh, but start with the Declaration of Independence, um, and and just re up your education if if you have read it before, if you remember it. Uh, if you don't remember it, um, 
make it so you do. Mm. That's that's going to be my call to Civic Action. Uh, I'm not wearing my Captain America T-shirt right now, but it's it's tattooed on my heart. There so that's go. that's my recommendation for everybody. All right. Well, uh, for Geek History of Time, I'm Damian Harmony, and I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling twenties.